Come gather ye friends round your flickering campfires and listen to tales of daring, horror and high adventure from the worn pages of history. Set aside thine police interview story format and instead join us, your storytellers, as we take a trip back to a time long past. The moon was a ghostly galleon, tossed upon cloudy seas. The road was a ribbon of moonlight across the purple moor, and the highwayman came riding, riding. The highwayman came riding up to the old inn door. Oh, a good bit of the poet Alfred Noyes there. Alfred Noyes? Am I right? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends of all descriptions, you are cordially invited to come with us on a journey. Back through the mists of time, back some three or four hundred years where deadly danger and fatal death stalked the roads of England. We will be your guides on a thrilling journey upon Britain's historic highways. For this is... The Silly History Boys Roadshow! Who are we, and what criminal past do we fear the authorities ever learning about? I am Tombo. When I was young, I was known as the Devil of Burton-on-Trent. Sweet shops would lock their doors as I passed, lest I venture in with my sticky fingers. I am the Pear Bear, and once I broke a roof tile on a building site on purpose to impress some friends. But my mum saw me do it because the building site was exactly opposite my house and I was sent to my room without my dinner and my mum told me if she ever saw me do anything like that again she'd march me down to the police station herself. And she meant it too. I was terrified. I am Uncle Bilbo. In my youth I was a campaigner against the establishment. The man wanted me to wear socks, man. But I didn't, listener. I didn't! Take that, the establishment. And I am your dear Uncle Bob-Bob. And being from Liverpool... Oh, whoa, whoa, easy there, lobster boy. I'd probably recommend don't say anything more. Oh, you poor soul. Join us on a journey, listener. Back to the time when to step upon the road was to take one's life into one's own hands. Where any hedgerow could conceal masked figures in black. Imagine it, listener, if you dare. You're in your carriage, rattling along the Great North Road, just on a spot of shopping. That sounds like you, doesn't it, dear listener? You love a bit of retail therapy. But what is that sound? Is it the beating of your fluttering heart or the drumming of hooves? Oh my, it's getting closer. And closer. And closer. You clutch your precious purchases to your breast and pray, pray for deliverance, pray to be spared the cry of... Stand and deliver your money or your life! <laughs> yes, it fell to me. That line that everybody knows, that everybody loves, and I got to say it! Yes, take that, silly history boys! <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a shame, really, that this isn't being filmed, as I would have delivered that straight down the camera with steely determination, just like any professional actor would. Don't really this Yeah, sorry. We're the dandy highwayman that you're too scared to mention. We spent our cash on looking flash and grabbing your attention. And guns. And guns, yes. We shall be taking you on the ride of your lives through the golden age of highwaymen. It's gonna be all like Mad Max with stagecoaches. Oh, what a day! What a lovely, lovely day! Hardly a golden age, though, was it? More of a every time you step out of the house you risk getting robbed, beaten and or murdered for your stuff sort of age. Last week we heard the tale of that nefarious rogue, Richard Dick Turpin. But what about all the other highwaymen? Well, I have with me a book, dear listener. My book is entitled The Gentleman of the Road. And it is essentially the Highwayman's Hall of Fame. Why do you feel the need to say that you have a book? No one can see that you have a book. The only reason we had a book originally in the show is because we wrote the show the evening before in the Airbnb. Because books are cool? Hey, no one's debating that. It's because he's from Yorkshire and wants to prove he can read. No, not this again. Ignoring the no-fly-tipping signs doesn't count. Stop it. I have in my hand a heavy Tommy. You mean Tome? Really? Let me guess. You've only ever seen it written down. Pathetic. We're just being silly. Get on with it. In its pages are recorded the names and deeds of England's most stylish, most dashing and most dangerous criminals. This week, we're taking a closer look at some of those gentlemen of the road who made travel across Restoration and Georgian England even worse than travel is today. Bummy. Bummy, are we there yet? Mummy's sunfire was kicking me. Mummy, mummy, can we have an ice cream? Mummy, I need to go to the toilet. Sorry, mummy. Nice hardware. Now, of course, you can easily get robbed on the roads of Britain today. Just go to a service station and buy something. Am I right? You see, folks, when the English Civil War ended, many of the officers who had served on the king's side were no longer allowed to serve as soldiers. Many of them lost their fortunes siding with the king in the Civil War, and so many former royalist officers became desperate. Oh, 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 what shall I do? My fortune gone, my king beheaded, trapped in a Puritan country where it is a sin to be hip and cool. Welcome to the Robbing Channel. Why not get kitted out for an exciting career that the young people are calling highway robbery? Tell me, do you like fresh air in the great outdoors? Why, yes, my wife was telling me only the other day, you've got fat. I was thinking of taking up jogging again, actually, because her words hurt me more than any bullet or bomb could. Excellent. Then you like exercise. After all, you are a professional soldier with the weapons and horse to go with it. This should be easy. Um, is there some kind of starter kit? I don't know, high run for dummies? What do I need to get going? There is. For the low, low price of whatever you have in your pockets and your wife's jewellery, you'll get a hat, a cloak and a mask. Um, yeah, it kind of seems like to me I could get a lot of those things cheaper than the cost of my wife's mock gold llama pendant. Ah, fair enough. Finally, and most importantly, the shooting iron. Bilbo, what do we have in stock? Very little, Tombo, as they're going fast. In the 1600s, flintlock pistols were sought after weapons that generally only the wealthy could afford, which is perhaps why many of the early highwaymen 
with former army officers. That takes me right back. Oh, it's been a while. And what with my massively overweight fingers, I'm worried I might make a frightful mess of this. Never fear, valued customer. Put down that vanilla slice and let my colleague run you through. It. Pepper. Oh, oh, mm, these winnings from the bakery can't hide the taste <laughs> Sorry, what? Oh, yes. It works like this. Moran Le Bourgeois created the flintlock mechanism between 1610 and 1615. Pulling the trigger of Bourgeois' creation releases the hammer, the bit which snaps forward on the top towards the rear. This hammer holds a sharpened piece of flint that strikes a piece of steel called a frizzen, flicking it back and creating a shower of sparks. This lights a small pan of powder which travels through a tiny hole in the barrel and lights a larger stash of gunpowder, the explosion of which hurtles a lead ball through the barrel and towards its target. Oh, sounds easy. Job done then. Not with those trotters, sir. You'll probably have to reload it for another wild discharging. You take the cartridge, which has the pistol ball and powder in it, and you bite the paper off the end, which doesn't have the ball. Ah! Uh, other end. Uh. You then pour a little bit of gunpowder into the pan and lock the pan up like so. Ow! Oh, just don't catch your finger. Turn the pistol over and push the cartridge with the ball in down the barrel. Then ram it all down with the ramrod that slipped in nicely down the underside of your barrel. You pull the hammer back and you're ready to fire. Hmm, without a visual aid, that really is a lot of information. Nonsense! It's simple! Here, have a go! Yeah, my love handles! And you were a soldier, you say? No wonder your king lost his bonds. And there we have it. So that's the contents of your pockets and your wife's stuff, please. Another job well done. Now, we all have an image of the highwayman. A tall man, dressed in the finest clothes. His manners are impeccable and he is always polite, especially to the ladies. Hey baby, fancy going to Nando's with me for a bit of chick chick? Not even close to impeccable. Well, I'll work on it, won't I? Now that I've got all my gear, I'm off to hide in the toilets of said Nando's. I do not like where this is going. I do not like this at all. I, I'm taking myself off to get myself ready for a little road robbing. A little chef would be better, you freak. Or neither, maybe? Listen, in the 17th and 18th century, there were two highway spots in England. Although there were plenty in Ireland, and later on in Victorian period Australia as well. Stop derailing me! The spots were Hounslow Heath, just outside of London, where the West Road ran from Bath and Bristol to the capital. The other was the Great North Road that ran up the middle of the country from London to the North, where we're based. Well, where you're based. <laughs> I'm not based there. You pass my way as the dark clouds of the north appear on the horizon. And technically not me either. I'm as far north as I want to be. I'm out of the way of London, but I'm not got up to the bit with the gravy and the whippets yet. They were the two most dangerous roads in England. If Ross Kemp had been around in the 1700s, well, he would definitely have done a documentary. Picture the scene, listener. You're riding along Hounslow Heath, which incidentally is now mainly Heathrow Airport, and you hear the cry, STAND AND DELIVER! You have a large amount of money, which you are going to spend in London on sweets and lull dolls or whatever. 
What are you going to do? Call the police! Unfortunately, the police haven't been invented yet. This is partly why highwaymen became so notorious, because at first there was very little that could be done about them. Call the police! And sting! That's enough of that. It's fair to say that this is the image we have of the highwaymen. But not many of them were gentlemen thieves in real life, no. They were by and large common criminals. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Where do we get this romanticised notion of the gentleman thief? Dick Turpin's portrayal in the novel Rookwood by William Harrison Ainsworth. In it, he rides Black Bess from London to York in a single night. Fraudulently! Fraudulently indeed, Bear Bear. That journey was undertaken by a completely different highwayman. Who's that, then? Let's take a look at the time, shall we? Twenty to two at the time of this being written. What? He means tome. Shut up. Carry on, Bilbo. You're doing really well. Not as well as dear Uncle Bob-Bob, but that's just life, I suppose. Well, let me tell you about John Swiftnix Nevison. My name is John Nevison. Or William Nevison, depending on who you're asking. But for the purposes of this tale, we'll stick with John. I was born in 1639 in God's country, Yorkshire. As a young man, I joined the Duke of York's army and saw action in the Battle of Dunkirk in 1658. Oh no! Did you get bombed on the beach? My great-uncle Tommy got bombed on at Dunkirk! I think you're talking about a different Dunkirk, Berber. Oh right, sorry. I served in the army for a few years, and after being discharged, I returned home to care for my ailing father. Oh, wholesome. There were little money, and the skills I had only left me with one career choice. I became a highwayman. I based myself in Newark-on-Trent and preyed on travellers on the Great North Road between Huntingdon and York. Those poor, poor people. Poor? No, no, Tombo. I only ever robbed from rich and I never used violence. Oh, well, that's fine then. Oh, yeah, I was always a perfect gentleman as I threatened people and stole their stuff. My TripAdvisor reviews maintained a near-perfect five-star rating for years. Ten out of ten would let him rob me again, they would proclaim. Silly. Then came the year 1676 and an encounter at Gads Hill near Rochester in Kent. Stand and deliver your money or your life. Well, I say life, but don't worry, I'm lovely really. Phew. I was worried you were going to be one of those really nasty highwaymen who kill you and all that. Fear not, but still, give me all your stuff right now or I'll kill you. Kill you dead. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I joke, I joke. Phew, again? Well, I'll be on my way then. Your money, sir. You are sending some really mixed messages. Now. Yes, sir. But I warn you. As soon as we're done here, I will be reporting you with a full description of your face. Totally authorities. Will you now? Well, in that case, I better come up with an extremely cunning plan. And that's precisely what I did. As soon as I were done robbing, I hopped on a ferry across River Thames, leapt atop my horse and galloped like I had never galloped before. What, you just ran away? That doesn't sound awfully cunning. Oh, it was. First, I galloped to Chelmsford. Then Cambridge. Then Huntingdon. Until finally, 200 miles later, I arrived in York. Now then, my good folk, I declare this fine game of bowls 
open. Wait, just because you're the mayor doesn't mean you have to declare everything open, you know. But that's what I do. Attention, my people. My name is John Neverson, and I have been here at this game of balls the entire time. Honest. Have you? Oh, yeah. Indeed. Love me a game of balls. Would never miss the start of one. Incidentally, what, what time is it, Lord Mayor? It is eight of the clock in the evening, good fellow. I, John Neverson, who have been here all along, would place a wager with you upon the outcome of this game. Would you now? Yes, a friendly wager placed at, uh, what time is it again? Eight of the clock in the evening, Mr. Neverson. Yes, eight o'clock in the evening. A wager on bowls with me, John Neverson. A man who has definitely been here this entire time. You're wrong. You rode from Kent to York in a single day in the 17th century. That's quite a feat. And it paid its dividends soon after, Pear Bear. The man I robbed identified me upon my return to Kent. And I were arrested and taken to court. Order! Order! That's the man, your honour. I know his face. I remember it well. He stole all my stuff. Right. What have you got to say for yourself, Mr. Neverson? Wasn't me, your honour. I were in York on that day, and I have a witness. <gasps> Send in the mayor of York. York? Tis true, your honour. I'd wagered with this man on the outcome of a game of balls at eight o'clock of that evening. He'd been there the whole... Time. <gasps> I find the defendant innocent of all charges. As we all know, it would be impossible for him to be in Kent for the robbing and York for the bowls wagering on the same day in this, the 17th century. But, but... Court adjourned. Pour some gravy on me, bailiff. <laughs> I'm done. Noise. Alfred Noise. See? Utterly cunning. That's me. But didn't you then tell everyone about how cunning you'd been afterwards? Oh, absolutely, yes. What's the point in being that cunning if no one else knows about it? Eventually, even the king, Charles II, heard of my tale, and I were brought before him for an audience. So tell me, Mr. Neverson, is it true that you rode from Kent to York in a single day just to get yourself an alibi? It is indeed, Your Highness. I rode so fast, the devil himself couldn't have caught me. Old Nick himself, eh? Well, in that case, we shall call you Swift Nicks. From this point on, jolly good show, old boy. And that is how I earned my nickname. Got me a lot of attention, though. And that same year, I was charged with a different case of robbery and horse theft. Then found guilty. What happened? I was sentenced to transportation to a hard labour camp in the Tangiers. Didn't go, though. I escaped from the ship before it left port and was soon back robbing the highways. Hooray! Hooray! Then, in 1681, I got arrested again. Oh, oh no! no! Sentenced to death. I had only one way out. Oh. 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 Oh, oh dear. God. God, I, I've suddenly started feeling very unwell. What? This one too! Fetch the prison doctor! Oh. Oh, the pain. Oh, the extreme pain. 
Hello, did somebody call for me, the totally above-board and honest prison doctor who's never taken a bribe in his life? I did! This man has taken suddenly and conveniently ill! Mm, let me look at him. Oh, so, very unwell. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, this man has the plague. Oh goodness, not the plague, are you sure? Yes, yes indeed, De definite, definitely the plague, a textbook case in fact of the plague. Here, give him this draught of medicine to ease his pain. Blag. Oh no, he's died, he's died, and he's, de he's dead, he's he has died, despite my efforts as a physician, he's dead. Quick! Get him out of the prison before he infects all of us! Okie dokie. That medicine was in fact a strong sleeping potion that I bribed the doctor to give me. I was carried out in a coffin, and once we were clear of witnesses, out I popped and on my way I went. Another escape? Indeed, Tombo. I was soon back out on the roads again, and this time it was even easier to rob people, because everyone thought I were dead. They thought I were a ghost. <laughs> ah, a ghost! But of course, I wasn't a ghost. And soon, two bounty hunters, the Fletcher brothers, started hunting me. We've got you surrounded, Neverson. Let's see how swift you are now. You're nicked by bounty hunters. Ha <laughs> good one, brother. Swift nuts get swiftly nucked, eh? <laughs> I'm just a simple man trying to make his way in the universe. You sure about this, lads? I've got a pistol. Oh, we're sure. After all, we hear that you don't do violence, do you? Now, come here and let me freeze you in carbonite. You did do violence! Down to the Sarlacc pit I go! You killed my brother! I'll never forgive you! Oh, come off it! That was my first and only murder! I'm taking you in, Neverson! Oh, Swift Nicks! Well, he really is quite swift! From that point on, things got very difficult. And then, in 1684, I were arrested in the Three Houses Inn at Sandal, near Wakefield. How did you escape this time? I didn't. I were hanged at York Tyburn the following year. York Tyburn? That's where Dick Turpin was hanged. Remember? Remember? Oh, it's me, Dick Turpin. Oh, I'm a little bit shady. Oh, and a little bit roguish. Oh, Shut up, Bob Bob. You've had your moment. So that was the tale of John Swift Nix Neverson. <laughs> Excellent work, Bilbo. Who else is in your book? Well, Pear Bear, you name it. I've got every Tom, Dick and Harry in here. Really? Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, where are Ah, here. Yes. Tom, Dick and Harry Dunstan, the Burford Highwaymen. Three brothers that turned highway robbery into a family business. Your money or your life! Yeah! Yeah? You two already said all the words, so all I had left today was to say yeah. Oh, oh, is that you, Dunstans, again? Oh, this'll be the third time you've robbed me. You're gonna give the Oxford mail coach a bad name. 
We don't care. Now give us all your stuff. It's mainly letters. That's no matter. This is the 18th century. People are still trusted enough to send cash in birthday cards. <laughs> I don't think that's historically accurate. Sue, we're dangerous criminals, mate. Anachronisms are the least of your concerns. The Dunstan brothers preyed on travellers passing Witchwood Forest near Oxford and the Cotswolds. Ooh, it and it is in Witchwood Forest that they used to hide the livestock and money they stole from farmers. They robbed the Oxford mail coach three times and on one fateful evening tried to break into a place called Tangley Hall. Oh, blast, it's locked! Yeah, well, that's no bother, Dick. Just smash the glass and undo the bolt from the inside. We'll be in and out quick as a flash. All right, then, if you say so. Now I just reach my arm through and... Aha! Got you. Ah! Tom! Harry! Someone's got hold of me arm! Oh, that's right, Dunstans. We knew you were coming. And you've fallen into our trap. Let him go. We promised not to rob the place. Oh, no chance. I'm going to tie your arm to the door bolt so you can't unlock it. Uh, you'll never escape. Or well, my name's not Guardy McGuinnessin. The 17th. Call back. What are we going to do? I'll be right back with reinforcements, sir. You'll hang for this, you rogues. Oh, I don't want this to be the end of our tale. We have to do something. Um, what? If we run away, whilst you hold them off. What? No! Surely there's another way? Well, there is, but I don't think you're going to like it very much. Anything! Anything quick! What is it? It's, um... It's this. Ah! There we go. Proper job. You cut my arm off at the elbow! I know, right? He did say you wouldn't like it. Oh, I'm starting to feel a bit sleepy. Think I might have a lie down. Not now. After we've escaped. Come on. As you can see, everybody, I have captured the foul villains. Just let me open the door and you will see for yourselves. And, oh, dearie me. Uh, oh, man, no, it's, it's, um, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's, it's like that scene yeah. in Jurassic Park. The brothers desperately needed medical attention for Dick, so they took him to the nearby Merrimuth Inn. Help! Help us! Help us, please! What is all this ruckus at this time of night? Please help us, good landlord. Our brother Dick has had a terrible accident. Uh, Tom, Harry, I think I'm dying. Oh yeah, I can see. What on earth happened? Well, well, uh, we, we were uh, we were having a brotherly game of who can spin your arm in the fastest when Dick here spun it so quickly that it just came off. Came right off, did it? Blimey. Someone help me! Shh, Dick, you'll wake everybody up. Wait just one minute. Tom, Dick... Harry, you're the Dunstan Brothers, a.k.a. the Burford Highwaymen. You'll find no help here, you ne'er-do-wells. Well, there's only one thing to say about that. That was a little uncalled for, Harry. I panicked. Quick, leg it! And leg it they did. Dick was never heard from again. So it's probably safe to say he died from his injuries. The next time Tom and Harry were seen was at the Burford Whitsuntide Festival at the Caps Lodge Inn, where they were identified by a man called William Harding. I wish Dick was here. He loved a festival, didn't he? Good Lord, rest his bones. Perhaps you shouldn't have cut his arm off then. Hey, you're those those highwaymen brothers, you are. Oh dear. Well, there's only one thing to say about that. Oh! (gasps)
Will you stop shooting people? Um, no. Oh no, now there's an angry mob. Leg it! But they didn't leg it fast enough, and the mob caught them. Soon after William Harding died from his gunshot wound, the two remaining Dunstans were tried for his murder. I find you both guilty. You are desperate fellows who have long been a terror to the country where you live. And so I sentence you to death. Aww. You will be taken to Gloucester and hanged. Afterwards, your bodies will be gibbeted outside the Cap's Lodge, the scene of your foul murder, to serve as a warning for any others who would dare prey upon the King's roads. And in 1783, that's precisely what happened. Gibbeted? That doesn't sound very nice. That's because it isn't, Tombo. After they've hanged you, your body is wrapped in chains, or put in a cage and hanged up near the scene of your crime, or at a crossroads, anywhere where your rotting remains will best serve as a warning not to be naughty. The Dunstans were hanged in chains from the gibbet tree in Burford. It's still there too. Well, the Dunstans? Ew! No, the tree. Oh, right. So, hang on. They got hanged. Swift Nicks got hanged. Turpin got hanged. I am starting to notice a bit of a theme here. It's a bit like watching the Titanic. It's dull. And we know how it'll end. Not every highwayman ends up hanged. Take Philip Twisden, for instance. Who? Philip Twisden, who was made Bishop of Raffo in Ulster in 1746. A highwayman bishop? Yeah, he had fallen on hard times, declared bankrupt in fact, and sought to supplement the church's collection plate by starting a new career. His first robbery took place on Hounslow Heath in late October 1752. Stand and deliver, my son. You what? Your money or your life. Amen. Again, what? By the Holy Ghost, I can't make this more simple, son. This is a robbery. I'm a highwayman now. Hand over your money. <coughs> Amen. No. Truth, Tuesday. Just give me all your stuff. <coughs> Blessings be upon you. You can bless this, you weirdo. No. He died a few days later. It was quite a scandal at the time. Wow. He was rubbish. Okay, so there's one highwayman that didn't get hanged, but did still die. Any others? Uh, yeah. Nicolas Jacques Pelletier. He wasn't hanged. Sounds suspiciously French. Uh, he was. What happened to him? Well, the date of his execution was 25th of April, 1792. He had been sentenced to death over three months previously, but had to wait due to the slow turning wheels of government. Eventually, though, he was led onto the scaffold at 3.30pm outside the Hotel de Ville, in the Place de Grieve, in Paris. Ah, bonjour, Monsieur Pelletier. Glad you could make it. Charles-Henri Sanson. It is an honour to be sent off by such an esteemed executioner as yourself, Monsieur. <laughs> I've seen your work. Yes, not this close up before, obviously. Oh, you're so kind, Monsieur. So, how are we doing this? Hanging me? No, sir. The National Assembly have made beheading the only legal execution method now. Oh, right. Cutting it off with a sword, then? 
Ah, again, no. The National Assembly decided the sword was too much of a reminder of the nobility's former privileges. We had a revolution, after all. Need to do things a new way. And what's that, then? Allow me to answer that one, Monsieur. Bonjour, Monsieur Peltier. I am Joseph Ignace Guillotine, the inventor of this contraption. Mon Dieu! How did they not spot that? I really don't know. It has been painted bright red, after all. What are you calling it? The, the, the Sharpie Sharp Head Remover. Ooh, catchy. <laughs> what does it do? Well, we will place you on this platform, face down, and then that blade, yep, you see it? Yep, that one up there at the top, yep. Well, that will slide down and snick, off goes your head. Okay. Are you sure it works? Oh, yes, I've been testing it on corpses from the Bicetra Hospital. Ironed out all the kinks. You, however, will be our first live customer. Not for long, though! <laughs> hey! I'm... Uh... Right, monsieur, let's get going. Lie on this bit for me. Like this? Perfect. Then we just slide you into place. This isn't so bad. I'll never even see it. Oh, is that it? Like, that was way too quick. We want to see him so fast. Uh-oh, crowd didn't like it. Right back the wheel. I think we best be on our way, Monsieur Sanson. Bring back our gang. I think you might be right, Monsieur Guillotine. Bring back our wooden gallows. Our heritage wooden gallows. Bring Boo. back our wooden gallows. Bring back our wooden gallows. There you go, Nicholas Jacques Peltier. The first person ever to be guillotined. And a highwayman to boot. Tell us another, Uncle Bilbo. Oh, yes, do! Yeah, please. No, no, I think that's enough for you silly boys today. Mummy! M- mummy, the, the man! Mummy, make him tell a lot. Oh, come on now, Bob Bob, you're getting overtired. Now, I hope you enjoyed our trip to the age of highwaymen, listener. But we need to give Bob Bob his medicine. Bob Bob, Bob Bob, no, Bob Bob, don't pull it! Stop pulling on it! We need to give Bob Bob his medicine and get him settled. Mummy, I tell on you. Until then, we have been the... Silly History Boys! And we are... As ever... Sorry! Sorry. Guns and Rogues is the title we really wanted to make work, but the pun is arduous to say the least, or episode 25 of the Silly History Boys show was written and produced by the Silly History Boys. The voices of John Swithnicks-Neverson, the Oxford mail coach driver, Gardy McGarderson, Mary Malfin landlord, and Guillotine plus narration were galloped into your ear holes by the genuine sideburns of the illegal Will Uncle Bilbo Tristram. The roles of Neverson's first victim, the prison guard Dick Dunson, Judge Number Two, and Charles Henri Samson were shot while trying to escape by the dastardly Stu the Pear Bear Perry. The Mayor of York, King Charles II, a Fletcher brother, Tom Dunstan, Bishop Philip Twyston and Nicholas Jacques Peltier were fed, watered and rubbed down round the back of a dark stable by Tom, Tombo Fermor. 
the bowls attendee, the first judge, the totally above board prison doctor, Darcy Fletcher. Ha Darcy, that was my name, Darcy. That's, that's, um, that's a bit of a girl's name. Not this is, oh, my phone's gone off as well. Hey, let, I wonder if this one will get in. Darcy Fletcher, Harry Dunstan, the armed and angry coach driver, and the entire, all of them, what? It's a talented man, were let off on a technicality by me. Your dear Uncle Bob Bob. Music, head wounds, gunshots and arm soarings were either done live by us or were provided by the kind people at Zapsplat.com. Thank you very much, Zapsplat. Yet more additional music was done by Mr. Scott Buckley, the baffled king composing Scotty Buckley. And even further additional music were provided by John Bartman. Everybody, if you can do the Bartman, shake your body, turn it out if you can, can. Sorry about that, John Bartman. Thank you. The now famous earworm that is the Silly History Boys theme tune and even more additional music were penned, bagged and tagged by Lord Fastfingers. If you have enjoyed this week's edition of the Silly History Boys show, please consider giving it a rating on your chosen podcast platform. Or, even better, perhaps even tell a friend or enemy that you've enjoyed the show. Not only that, you can hit us up on the Twitters at SHB underscore show, and you can get in touch with us on Facebook at Silly History Boys Show. Fun side note. I was also... Um, uh, um, um, uh, uh, dumped unceremoniously... Uh, from my paper round, because yes, I did steal a magazine once, and uh, and yeah, they called me the um, "You've not got a job anymore" of Burton on Trent, uh, because I am a thief. Yep, I'm a magazine thief, and I can't even remember what the magazine was, but I was really good at it. I did it once, hundred percent success rate. Yep, there you go. <laughs> <laughs>